welcome to the Belper Beer Club podcast. We're four intrepid beer explorers from Derbyshire, and we thought it was about time we put out a podcast. And here it is. My name's John. I'm Sean. I'm Paul. And I'm Jamie. In this episode, we have an extensive interview with Noah from Chapter. We discuss cask, winning the champion beer of Britain, working with Boneface, being broken into a couple of times, and even lager shandy. Today's guest on our podcast is Noah from Chapter Brewery. Um, they're, so if you don't know Chapter Brewery, they're based just outside of Runcorn in a place called Sutton Weaver, I believe. And we met Noah two and a half years ago during the the midst of the most miserable lockdown, the final big lockdown of, of COVID back in 2021. And he very kindly joined us on Zoom and we chatted at length and we had a great evening. And while we were drinking his beers and you know chapter have been up to a lot since then so i thought we thought it would be a great idea to catch up with noah have a chat about the, his story how the brewery's been developing what the future news are it is for the brewery etc and yeah just a little bit more background so chapter the name suggests the the inspiration is very much from the written word and in fact that comes from some of noah's previous history which i'll maybe let him reveal in a minute if he wants to and one of the other really famous things is, is their striking artwork on their cans that is almost entirely if not all done by the famous um, art local artist boneface who is also famous for doing art artwork for people like queens of the stone age for example um and yep yeah, the labels often talk about reading suggestions so rather than pairing with food actually pairing with um uh, things that people can read while they're drinking their beer so noah um would you like to introduce yourself and yeah tell us about chapter's journey today yeah well hello um it's it's funny you saying that i mean it would be interesting to um to try and remember what i said two and a half years ago because it was it was quite <laughs> a different different time for for all of us really you have longer hair for um, sure yeah long well the funny thing is i actually had a haircut today especially for this podcast. <laughs> it's, not, it's not being videoed um this afternoon i had i had hair down to my nipples and i've had it uh, cut off yeah um, so yeah it's a shame it's, I, I hope it's not like a, a samson thing where suddenly i've got no no brewing prowess whatsoever i will um, take a photo of you anyway so at least we've got that <laughs> yeah um I'm um, also, also wearing also wearing my specs, which I've been told don't uh, not particularly flattering, but but there we go. I can I can it's see fine. you guys at least. Yeah. Um. So yeah, to, I mean, to, to it's a long time, isn't it? it mm. It's it's funny to think about how different everything was back then to now, in terms of um. It, it's really it's really hard to to it feels very much like three different phases of the brewery in terms of like pre-pandemic pandemic and then and then now um a lot of things have changed for the better since the pandemic in terms of the brewery our small pack for example the fact that we are um in cans and we we're able to to do our small pack and we had we were forced to change our methodology for what we did for small pack because of the pandemic um, and that's been been great for us in in that respect. It kind of gave us that kick that we needed to to do because we we're being a little bit cautious about 
you know, should we go into CAN? If we're going to go into CAN, what should we do? How should we do it? Um, and the pandemic basically made us realise that we've got so much stock in fermenters. We've we've got to do something and we don't have the manpower. Yet everyone's on furlough. Um, so we banged it all into CAN and it worked. Um, you, you mentioned about the uh, the artwork. I realise I've, I've gone straight in here without any, <laughs> without any no, no, absolutely. Any no, no, but um, in terms of like, like, so suddenly the artwork had much more sense of stage because you've got so much more volume um, or real estate on a can. Yeah. So we we kind of we went through it because we had to, and it absolutely paid off and made a difference. Cans were selling so much better for us than bottles. And there's all the arguments about um, 330s, 440s, bottles versus cans, whether or not, you know, I know some people who say, like, I'm not going to do any, I'm not going to change anything until the kernel start canning, which is, uh, <laughs> I, I really like that. Um, a couple of my my really good friends have kind of said that, um, and that's a, a very honourable thing to do, but I'm, I, I need the cash. <laughs> yeah. I need the cash paper treats for the dog so um i'm quite happy to go into cans but it really made a difference for us kind of doing that so that and then now we're what i'd call kind of post-pandemic and it's not like it was pre-pandemic so it, it's been it's been a very very strange um well we've been going nearly for seven years wow. um and it's been a very strange seven years. You know, we've had a good run up and then that kind of crazy time. And then now it's it's good again, but in a very different way. And lots of things have changed and lots of things have uh, lots of things have changed. And in particular, I think pubs and their buying habits have changed. And that's something which is um really weird i think and, and not only for us as trying to trying to sell beer but also for pubs when they're trying to buy beer um they're, they're now having to deal with their customers um and and their customers way of buying um mm. which obviously has an impact on us when we're trying to flog them as much beer as possible so what does your landscape of your beer outlook look like now at the moment yeah how much of it is cask keg cans you know what does that kind of now Actually, one thing I remember from the the, the time we, we met you last time is is um, you talked really passionately about cask beer. Yeah, exactly. Um, and 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 it probably wasn't that long after you started canning that that we that we got you in. But have, have you enjoyed? Was it was it quick to go back to cask? Is that still a big part of what you're doing? So without without being too kind of. Um... Without being too kind of a kind of grotesque in 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 describing what happened was, we had um, wholesale value forty five thousand pounds worth of cask in my cold store when the pandemic kicked off. Wow. Now I know for a lot of breweries that isn't a, a significant amount. I'm sure they had much more than that, but for us, that was an un, ungodly amount of, mm. of beer to have. And we suddenly thought, shit, what we meant, to, what we meant to do with this, you know, we'd, we, <laughs> in November, 2019, we'd made an executive decision 
across the uh, uh, with you know directors meetings and things like that to really hammer home cask in november 2019 mm -hmm. so we started we started stockpiling cask and we're like this is what we're going to push yeah february we got a new investor on board and then we said this is what we're going to do march it was the pandemic mm -hmm. So I we had this stockpile of forty to forty five thousand pounds worth of wholesale value cask, and then I was on my own again. Mm. I'd furloughed all my staff, and it's like, what do we do? So we then started like putting it all into mini casks and shipping that out. And luckily, we we got it all out, and mm. you know we we covered our costs. And even that didn't put me off. Wow, selling cask beer. It was, it was. I know that we make really great cask beer. Mm. Um, our keg is really good. Our cans are really good. Our cask is what is getting us um, universal acclaim. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's our cask is our cask is what is winning us. You know, Great British um, cameras. Um, Champion Beer of Britain Awards is is winning us Gold Zebra Awards. It's getting us into pubs, um, out with the kind of the local um, environment that we're in. So we know that we're good at cask. So why would we not do that? Yeah. And we realised that we're not only are we good at it, but it's what we like. It's what we like drinking. It's what we like making. I like the romanticism of it. I like the fact that it has that little bit of that little bit of nuance, that little bit of um, that artisanal nature of the fact that somebody else has to do something to it to make it great. Yeah, yeah. And there's something quite nice about that. There's also a risk in that, of Absolutely. course. If you go somewhere, and I've been places, and I've asked them to take my beer off because it's not good. Yeah. Um, but I have also I've also made sure that I've compensated them for that mm -hmm. you know i don't just go this isn't right take it off oh by the way i make that i've made sure that it's like this isn't right. <laughs> can i can i speak to the person and we make sure it's, it's, a, it's a friendly transaction yeah. of mm -hmm. stuff mm -hmm. and it's about me making sure that they're happy i'm happy the, the punter is happy everyone has to it's, it's a very much a, a venn diagram of making sure everything's okay and for me, the idea of stopping cask because it was tricky during the pandemic seemed a little bit um a little bit flippant really. Mm. For us, we're still um I'd have to actually do the, the proper maths, but in in my head, I think we're still about 65% cask, okay, maybe 30% keg. And the rest in small pack, right? Okay, that's, that's how I kind of see us as a as a brewery. Um, I'd have to actually have done some homework and looked. Oh at no, the that's, yeah. We um, we see a pie chart of that. Where, where's the yeah, pie chart? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where's yeah. The data. Yeah. The data. Get yourself, get yourself apple pie. Slice it up into <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what was it? Gove said we're fed up of experts. We don't need any of shit. But no, I, I think we are still kind of cask cask heavy in our output. Um, and that is through design. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, we've seen your cask around the country, you know. I mean, when we first came across you guys, we, not many people around here have certainly heard of you. No. And now we, we see you quite regularly, especially when there's a beer festival on or or something. Someone's put a few specials in for an occasion or whatever. You're, you, you're coming up quite regularly. So mm. um, that's good good news all around because, as you said... Yeah, I mean, I think, I think for us, well, in, so. I think in terms of like our cask output, we've we've got... I avoided the kind of core range thing for a little while and we still don't technically have a, a, a proper core range, but we do have what I kind of, if I had to kind of really boil it down, we have like a core range, a uh, secondary range, a tertiary range. Then we kind of got a few other things that kind of just float in and out, but we do have you know, four, uh, three beers that we always try and have in stock in cask. Because we know that they're they're good, they're solid, and they will be either at these kind of events that you're talking about, the the um the camera festivals. Well, there's more um, like mini festivals I'm talking about where somebody's just putting a few extra casks on, you know. Um you're definitely coming across on, on that kind of scene. Oh that's that's good. That's good. I mean it's it's even better when people are putting our beers on and I don't know about them. You know that shows that the the stuff that we're putting out to distributors is being picked up by other people. Either they know what we're doing, or they've been you know even if they just spotted them on a list and they think it it looks nice. Mm. You know what what more do you want really? Um, I, think, I think it's name recognition. I think you know certainly in this area you you've gone from zero name recognition to most people have heard of you. So mm. that's some kind of progress, I would say. Yeah, yeah. What, z- zero to anything is progress. Yeah. Right? Um, that's that's no, that's great. That's and great. The, and and the artwork on the cans, because if someone sees you in a bottle shop and you've got you know recognizable cans, and then they're going into a, ca- a, a cask environment, they're going to remember the can, they're going to remember the name, and they're going to maybe potentially order it on that basis. So, hmm. so going yeah, back, uh, I think I think you know, going so back go on, to the go um the award so that that was obviously big news for you talk tell, tell us a bit more about you know the beer that won the award how it came about how you feel about it what impact it's made the um, beer of the so yeah so it, it's it's funny really because so dead man's fist was um when i started the brewery in 2016 um i started it with a, a fella called alex um, and Alex was a primary school teacher um, and he was able to give me uh, one day a week. So when I quit teaching, um, he was with me one day a week. But we had met, um, th- we'd actually been put together. It's almost like a, a super group. Um, <laughs> we'd been um, put together by Paul Spraggett, who is of Zatziki Sauer fame. So he oh, worked yeah. at uh, Mad Hatter. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd helped out at Mad Hatter and he'd met Alex somewhere else and I can't, can't remember where. And he put us together as two people that were kind of coming at brewing at the same sort of, um, mm-hmm. from the same sort of background, the same sort of angle. We we wanted to do the same thing. Um, so Alex and I set up Chapter Brewing um, and one of the beers that we made was Papali. And Papali was a um, smoked porter with black pepper. Now, when we set the brewery up in 2016 we decided the papali wasn't quite the right name so we wanted to come up with something that was along the lines of like 
smoke and fire smoke in the water was too obvious we didn't want to do that so we kind of messed around with a few different ideas and i went and looked at um um smoke fire what what's coming on and and we actually gave that as a brief a very vague brief to boneface and boneface came up with this um dead man's hand the 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 hand with the 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 flames coming over each of the fingers um and i then saw that and then looked into that so that was one of the few instances where um boneface came up with the art prior to me finding the literature that linked to that art um and it wasn't until much later on somebody said oh yeah draco malfoy used a um a dead man's hand to get out of the uh, room requirement in (laughs) in (laughs) i was like oh oh yeah we know he actually did um but what I ended up using was um, this this great piece where it's the, the the quote is "Sever me quick the dead man's fist," and it's the idea that if you um, cut off a hanged man's hand and you used his um, his hair to make a wick and then his kind of his fat um, to make the tallow, and then you close his hand around it. And you lit that um, wick; it would then dispel darkness only for you. So it was it was a thief's tool, basically. Um, and I, I love that idea of this 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 fact that we've got this dead man's fist, which is a long name, a name which people try and take the piss out out of. You know, oh, I'll have a fisting, all that kind of stuff. It it, it does happen. Um, but this beer we launched with at Dead Crafty in. 2016 um 10th of december actually i think um so it's it's coming up to our seventh birthday now and it's always been part of our kind of range and it's 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 been good it's it's kind of worked along it's got the smoke which is quite nice the kind of barbecue smoke you get from the beach smoke malt um it's got a, a very very simple um uh hop hop bill of magnum and sladek um you might want to bleep beep that out um and <laughs> it's it's very very simple and then we use all this kind of black pepper which we we the first time we brewed it on a full scale we tried to use hand blenders which didn't it didn't work um and then luckily damien brought along his homebrew mill so now we, we crunch all the all the black pepper through that yeah and we just started putting that out and the biggest influence on that beer was our camera blo so you know what a blo is right brewery liaison so, officer yeah exactly yeah so a brewery liaison officer so to begin with um i was very very dismissive of 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 camera in so much as my opinion of camera was what most people's opinion of camera is um outdated outdated yeah Yeah. not really relevant anymore kind of thing it's oh god that really and it's real l twats in this right it's what what everyone thinks of camera and you know that's what it was it was based on and kevin came in and he was a bit very dismissive of our keg um very dismissive of our our cask out with that kind of um proper cask real ale stuff and then he had dead man's fist and he was like this is a this is a champion beer 
and I kind of dismissed him off saying, yeah, thank you very much, whatever. <laughs> yeah. But he kept pushing it and he kept pushing it and kept pushing it. And as he pushed it, I started to resist by saying, yeah, but this. Yeah, but our, our keg. And what happened was this really lovely relationship, which I've now got with our brewery liaison officer, which is he's a keg beer drinker as long as it's good beer. Mm-hmm. Whereas previously, he'd never drink keg beer. Mm-hmm. So he comes to our tap room, he'll drink the cask, um, and then he'll try everything, anything that's on the on the back bar, which we've got in keg, even the forced carbonated stuff, which all our keg now is. Because he has had that learning. Yeah. We've both learned a lot from each other. Like mm-hmm. he he has really realized that um it doesn't have to be real ale to be good beer, as long as it is good beer, which is then exactly kind of that. like yeah. adulterated with with <laughs> yeah. carbon dioxide. And yeah. it's him that has really pushed Dead Man's Fist to be what it is. He was the one who made sure that it was um in the lists that mm-hmm. um were required for it to be put forward for initially just the, the regional awards it won champion beer of cheshire um a couple of years ago and it will never be usurped because there's no longer a champion beer of cheshire so that's always yeah yeah exactly that's what you want you want you want to win something and then they never do it again um, <laughs> And then he was like, well, you know, what we need to put it through to the regionals. And I was like, well, yeah, I mean, I kind of was like, well, yeah, you run with it, mate, if you if you, if you you think that's that's yeah. good. And he did run with it and it, it won. Mm. And then he knew what category to put it into for the Champion Beer of Britain. It's not a normal porter. It's not a normal stout. So it has won its category in a very strange, like, very strange phrasing. So it's like, speciality beer, beers brewed differently. Yeah. Which really <laughs> sounds like a, thank you for, thank you for participating. Yeah. <laughs> it's not participating yeah. um, medal, pat on the head. But the fact that he knew how to negotiate this beer that he loved, that he was so proud of being part of because he was, he was part of our our brewery he's part of our brewery he's our our brewery liaison officer and he's involved mm-hmm. in what we do and he knew how to put that into the right place to make sure that it got the recognition that he felt it deserved That's good. and what's really lovely about it is that that recognition was then acknowledged on a national level mm-hmm. and now we have a nationally acclaimed beer you know it won its category for champion beer of britain we have a champion beer of britain in its of its style of itself and that's something which is you know a real a real boon for for the brewery but also something which the team and kevin are so proud of and that's that's all thanks to him making sure that he kept going with what yeah, he no. felt was something really important. And that's where camera, I think, if it's done, if camera is done right, then that that's the sort of thing which he found mm. his little brewery just outside of Runcorn and he's pushed it because he mm. believed in it. 
and it won this national award. And that's that's what camera should be. And it's not that's not that's what camera isn't in general. But he's an absolute prime example of what it can be. He's a pain in the ass other times as well. But <laughs> you know, in that instance, it's like camera does things correctly. And yeah, it's a really good example of what camera can do, I think. Yeah. And it is a cracking beer as well. I mean, I know I think I've had it. I've, I've had, had it. I think yeah. having it. It's a great beer. And and also I just want to say that I loved your description of what a dead man's fist is. Mm. Um and, and if anyone wants to any listeners out there wants to see one, then if you uh, if you go to the Panic Park Museum in Whitby, uh, yes, they do have they do have uh, what they call the hand of uh hand of glory, something like that. Hand of glory. Yeah, and it was found found in someone's house a few wow. years back. Yeah, it was found in the in in the in the kind of wall cavity. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, and it's it's great. I used to take school kids around there um, to go to the museum there, and it was always the uh, it was always a standout exhibition. Yeah. Was, uh, but yeah, yeah. it's pretty pretty nuts. But, yeah, he used to the idea. Yeah, the 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 thief would light it, and as long as it stayed lit, then they wouldn't be they wouldn't be caught. Mm. Mm. Yes. Oh wow. Yeah, and like I said, there is there is the Harry Potter connect. I'm I'm a bit of a I, I've read Harry Potter and listened to Harry Potter a lot. So <laughs> there is the Harry Potter link as well. So if anyone wants to know the Harry Potter stuff, I can I can nerd out on that very much. <laughs> Have you got any other beers that are Potter related? Um no. Ah, okay. Maybe maybe, maybe <laughs> no, because it could be I, don't, I don't want to be don't want to be sued. No, <laughs> I haven't got no. I haven't got so, enough money for that. Your your connection with Boneface is also a really interesting one. I think I remember you telling us about it when we chatted two and a half years ago. Um, I mean, he obviously had a critical input on this one, but like like we were saying earlier on, that the, the artwork is so distinctive and and so unusual. Can you tell us a bit about how that came about and how you work with him and and so on? Yeah, I mean, it's again, it's. It's relatively straightforward, really. Um, he came on board because Alex, the fellow that I set the brewery up with originally, who who left after about uh, a year, I think, um, it was his best mate from school. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you set up a brewery with someone who's making nice beer and their best mate from school just so happens to be Boneface, that's... That's super convenient. Yeah. Um, I just noticed your time there. So yeah. I'll yeah. Keep on that. Um, so that's super convenient. And it also turned out that um, Boneface was doing a lot of work abroad. And he had a lovely little whippet called Corvo um, that he was not able really to look after anymore because he was abroad so much. So my partner and I, Sophie, um, we said, well, why don't we adopt your dog? <laughs> and the weird thing is, is that tonight, tonight, here he is. No, um, tonight, <laughs> Corvo is actually with with Boneface. Oh, right. Um, so we, we adopted him whenever that was. Gosh, five years ago, maybe? Mm -hmm. yeah, probably five years ago. Um, so we also had that little link as well. So. Yeah. Quite nice. So it wasn't quite like if he was late on a deadline, I sent him a picture of me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was that. Yeah. But it's that sort of extra little link. 
and one of our kind of you know our, our big banner outside the brewery and our, all our bar runners are a picture of Corvo um, mid-flight, but with Chapter Brewing across his, oh, uh, his yes. body as yeah, yeah. the text yeah, of yeah. And yeah, like I said tonight, he's. Um, I was out in in the trade today chatting to people, and um, Boneface very kindly comes was able to look after him and um, and, and yeah, so it, it it's a really nice kind of relationship that we've got with 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 um, Boneface. Try not to drop his name, and um, the fact that he does all this stuff with these megastars. You know, he, mm. I went to. Um, what was it? So Queens of Stone Age were playing at the in Halifax uh, a few months ago in that amazing venue. I can't remember what it was called off the top of my head, but it's the like Peace Hall. Was it the Peace Hall? Peace Hall. Yes. Oh my God! What a, what an amazing venue! And you know, we we kind of walk in, and I've known this guy for a long time, and he, he's quite quiet, and he's, he's he's lovely, and we kind of go for a pint, and I talk to him about the, the poem, or I talk about the book, and we then we have a few beers, and it's all kind of just like mates. And then you turn up at this event and it's like, you know, here's your triple A pass, Mr. Boneface. Oh, Andrew, mate, there you go. Off you go. And we're in the family's only bit with, with Queens of the Stone Age chatting to the chatting to the band. And I remember I was sitting there having to describe the difference between cask and keg beer to the drummer from Queens of the Stone Age. And you go, what's going on? It was such a weird, you know, we're, we're sat in the black cat on Swift Down Road chatting about the next the, the next beer. And then a week later, I'm I'm sat describing the difference of UK beers to American beers, and yeah, hazy beers are shit, aren't they? God, how much respect! It was a mad experience. Um, so yeah, you, you kind of got those 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 kind of. Um, that's what's so interesting about Boneface is that he he was absolutely unfazed by that kind of um, superstardom. Yeah. And he was just so he, he was completely. There was no difference between me going for a pint with him at the pub and him sitting between Stone Age, mm. and I was having to use all of my GCSE drama skills to not show that I was scared. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, it was it was great, and it's it's one of the things which I think really makes our our brand, if you want to call it that, is that. Mm. People do look at things, and if your artwork's crap, or if your branding's crap, you've got to make sure your beer's great. Yeah. Um, and I think we're really lucky in that we're pretty much both sides. Mm -hmm. So if you have the beer and you go, "Well, that's good," what does it look like? Oh, the artwork's cool. If you look at the artwork and you have the beer, you go, "Oh, I'm not having me let down by the beer yeah. compared to the artwork." Yeah. Um, and I think we've we've got a really good, a really good balance there. Um, and the fact that we're getting amazing artwork from somebody who is so well sought after, so well respected globally, um, based on the fact that I'm I met a guy once, yeah, and he introduced me to somebody else, and now now we're friends. I mean, you know, doesn't get much better than that, really. And I guess you get mates rates as well. I'm not going to go into that, but, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I know how much, I know how much he charges us and I know how much he charges other people. And, um, yeah, I mean, we're, we're very lucky to have him on board. Yeah. Yeah.
So we mentioned you mentioned there about the uh, the grating of the peppercorns and how much mature it was on 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 that particular beer. I remember you recounting a story when you had to uh, you brewed. I said, Doctor, probably an early early rendition where you had to zest some limes or something. Um, yeah, I remember it being a massive chore. Can you talk us through what that was like and what you learned from that experience? Well, yeah, I mean the the the, the best example is that we learned not to do that again. Um, <laughs> uh yeah well there's there's been a few beers that we've we've done i've got this thing where i think that at the very the very least the first time you do something you've got to do it prop properly in inverted commas um which basically means the hard the hard way um when we did i said doctor we hand toasted the coconut um and we hand zested a load of limes um and that realistically wasn't a good use of anyone's time um <laughs> or a, a good use of the ingredients that we had so the next time that we brewed it we bought toasted coconut and we bought um packs of of zest um weirdly uh which the zest came from zuma zest who are based in uh, marsh barton which is in exeter which is where i'm from so it's very weird kind of calling calling this kind of number um and hearing people that were kind of from yeah you're from from. <laughs> yeah although i i really you know i sound like i went to some private school somewhere but everyone in exeter sounds like me and then as soon as you're outside of exeter it goes proper into devon um but yeah i i appreciate it. I, I do sound like i went to a very fancy public school and actually um, I promise I went to a state school. It's fine. I grew um, up in Plymouth, so you, I, I know Exeter quite well. So um. yeah, well, you know, we've, we've all got problems, mate. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, it does, so, yeah, sound, I mean, it does sound very. It sounds very posh if you actually go. You know, you're where you're from. Limes are, you know, just hanging off the trees somewhere. You know, sounds. Oh well, yeah, exactly. Sounds good. Exeter's yeah. I mean, great. Exeter's great because it's it's this weird little um, blip of blip of red and a sea of blue um you know our, well until this year i think our, our mp has been ben bradshaw and he's been you know apart from uh backing blair for for iraq uh otherwise he's been quite he's been quite an interesting and, and useful um mp but um but yeah it's, we just just when it's, why would why would i be buying zest from somewhere like marsh barton and exeter which at one point had the highest density of car dealerships in Europe. I mean, it's this kind of mad, <laughs> these mad kind of stats. You don't really know what's going on. So we started doing that. And then we realized that actually it wasn't commercially viable to do that. Um, I was, I've done not so many, but I've done uh, many podcasts where I've slagged off people that use uh, flavorings, essences, um, all of those things. I realized that, the only way to make that beer viable would be to use essences. And I even did an experiment where I used kind of coconut and I got lime and then I got a coconut ice cream essence. And I did all the experiments. And when I worked out that if I just used the coconut ice cream with some lime essence, the amount that I would save on one single brew would mean that I could brew it four times over. What? I was so cross that I stopped brewing the beer. Um. <laughs> <laughs> because it was the thing of, 
I know that it's not real. I know it doesn't taste right. I know that it's um, it's it's fake. And there's a lot of breweries that use essences and um, you know not necessarily flavorings, but for me it just it it just feels like such an easy way out. Mm. So we kind of stopped doing that, and I think one of the best examples is that we. Um, we used to make a, a beer called Light, which was just about to re-release. Um, the first time we brewed it, we had to go and clear out the entire of Merseyside of of melons. So we had 150 melons, right? <laughs> We'd gone to three or four different Asda's, a couple of Tesco's and whatever else. And it was myself and Damien, and we just were chopping and scooping and doing all these things with this, this melon. The next time we brewed it, we used melon balls. The next time we brewed it, we used melon puree. We tried to brew it recently with concentrate and it didn't work. So we went back to using melon balls. And it's that thing of, I I just don't want to use the essence. cupcake world. Mm. I don't want to go and like just tip it in. You know, f- for me, it's something that it has to be at least a little bit real mm. for it to be viable. And for me to be able to get behind it and and, and push it. And it's like uh, one of the beers that we've had that's been getting uh, loads of really great reviews recently is we made a, um, we've got a series of beers called the Fardel Barrels. Um, and I think if you've got a can of our barley wine, that will be the first release that we we did of the um, the Fardel Barrels. And it's a it's a poem by Baudelaire where, Charles Baudelaire, where he, it, it, <laughs> it's called Let's Get Drunk. Um, and I put, the actual name of the poem in the original French. So just to kind of avoid the Portman group kind of kicking off on me for some reason. Um, And there's a line in it where he talks about having this kind of, it's almost like a tramp kind of walking around and he's he's got his pack on his back and it's this fardel, which is like a a burden. And it's something you carry with you for a long time. And the barrels for me at that stage where we had all these amazing barrels, but they were just there, they're in the way. and you do have to look after them and you have to carry them with you for a certain amount of time. So we had this kind of fardel barrel series where we just mix and match and we play around with the barrels. And what I wanted to do was um, release this, uh, an interesting beer. Um, I'll tell you what, you can I'll have a swig of beer and then I'll, I'll give you an exclusive. Mm-hmm. So we were, we have this amazing connection with a with a uh, a packaging plant i suppose a they weren't a distillery they were somebody who did kind of blends and packaging and all that sort of stuff and we have this absolutely astonishing barrel um the glen glen rossi i think it was a barrel and we'd half filled it with barley wine and then the barley wine ran out so i topped it up with a imperial stout that we just so happened to have next door shoved it in there, topped it up and went, right, just leave it for two years, just leave it. And we ended up leaving it for 18 months, two years. We tasted it and went, yeah, that's lovely. Great. We'll, we'll, we'll think about something to do with that. And we were kind of doing a bit of a clear out in the, in the cold store and we found some of the coconut left over from the last batch of I Said Doctor that we'd done um, the year before and we hadn't used you had to buy a certain amount. Yeah. I'm like, well, we've got this. Let's lob that in and see what happens. 
So we had 200 litres of uh, what I called um, stout wine. Yeah. So far, no one's called me out on it. And well, it's basically... I, 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 I've written it down here on my notes in terms of you've got a, yeah, your highest rating beer and untapped. Um, well, apart from Climax is the coconut stout wine. And I, I didn't even know what that what that genre was. So I was going to say... Yeah, it's going to made it up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's made it up. It's not a thing. <laughs> Um, similar to um, if you look at Return, which I've called a Flemish stout, which isn't a thing either. Um, that was a blend of a of a dark saison and a and a stout. I'm just waiting for people to call me out on it, but no one no one has. Creating all these categories of beer. Yeah. Well, the the thing is, uh, a barley wine and a stout blend isn't new, but what people in America call it is a barley wine stout blend. Right. And that's for me. That's too long to put on a badge, so I just called it a stout wine, and it, it's it's rolled, and no one's really kicked up a fuss about it. And what we did was we put two hundred liters of stout wine. You know, it had two years to kind of or eighteen months to kind of meld together and become a thing in this beautiful, you no know, single malt whiskey barrel. Um, I think it was 1998, you know, this barrel had been emptied. It had 30 years of whiskey in it. It had been emptied. And then two weeks later, we put this into it. You know, there's no buggering about it. It's, 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 a, it's an interesting barrel. And then we shoved 60 kilos of coconut into it. And it, it's designed to be a showpiece. It's something that we take to festivals. It's something we take to events, which is, you know, it, it's not necessarily commercially viable. Yeah. But it's something that we know we can make and we're very proud of. And, you know, like you said, it's it's one of these top rated things on the tap. Some guy came up to us at Indie Man and was like, I'm drinking this because it's the um, top rated beer here. Hmm. And I went, what do you mean? And he said, top rated beer and untapped. I was like, is it? Anyway, you don't know. I was like, well, no, I don't. I don't look at it. <laughs> I don't know. And in it, he was incredulous that we didn't realize. Yeah. But for us, it's like we're making this thing which we're really proud of, and it tastes like coconut. Mm. But we're most proud of the fact it doesn't taste like sun cream. And <laughs> yeah. that's, that's the difference. When you've got real coconut, to make it work, it's cripplingly expensive to do. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm intrigued by it. So I'm intrigued by how much celery you had to get for that. Was it Roadside Picnic? Uh, so road, Roadside Picnic is, is, is one that I, I meant to brew it this year, and I basically kind of forgot um uh, yeah celery is a really difficult flavor to get in um the 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 the, i think we're the only people that's ever made one um the the crucial or the the secret is really to make sure that you've got um celery seed you made like a celery seed tea okay um it's like when we we made a uh watercress and grapefruit sour um, and I spoke to the guys at, I'm going to get it wrong, but I, th- I think it's Cern Abbey. You know, they've got like, you know, where's that place with, with the, the chalk man in the... Yeah, Cern Yeah, Cern yeah, Um And I asked them about how they got the, they'd made a watercress pale. Um, but, oh my God, watercress seeds, that <laughs> is so expensive. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievably expensive. Um so yeah, we you know with with Rosa Picnic, the idea is if you have a really kind of really light, delicate base sour, mm. um, and we use a shitload of um, celery, local celery from 
from a market in Chester. And then we prime it um, with uh, celery seed, uh, kind of tea, like an, ad an adjunct yeah. really, um, to get that flavour into it. But yeah, we haven't brewed that for a little while. Um, it's one of those beers where I really like it, but it's so divisive that you kind of want to make sure that you have enough customers that you can sell a whole batch in, in a one-er. Mm. You, know, you don't want Build to be... Up a head of demand and steam for it, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not like... Um, basically, you want to sell lots of people one keg of it. Because yeah, even if they like it, they're unlikely to buy a second keg of it, if yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, the other favourite that, that we had on our first night when we shared shared your beers was Netting the Sun, the, the mm. winter, which um, kind of set me in, was one of the, I think, I'd like to think is one of the inspirations mm -hmm. for what we've been brewing quite a lot of, which is wit beer, that and Allagash White, of course, but... Um, yeah, that, that was a bit of a revelation at the time. So, is that some one that you're still brewing from time to time? I think might have made a slight return, maybe. Yeah. So, so I'm just just spilling beer here as you as you're talking to me. Um, yeah. So, net in the sun, we've brewed again, and we kind of brew it. Um, every year, I think we need to brew it in kind of August, September. Um, and what happens is we brew it in November, usually. Yeah. <laughs> um, but this year we we brewed it, I think, in April. Something so there's, there's basically it's um, net in the sense one of those beers which I really love, and I think I'd love to brew it like almost as a, as a core. Yeah. Um, but we it, we certainly play around. We. We 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 difficult sell, but it's yeah. it's an it's an interesting sell. We 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 brew a version. We've done three or four versions of it, and we keep on playing around with all the different uh, botanicals and, and 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 stuff like that. One of the things that we yeah. do use that really brings out the flavour, we think, is grains of paradise. Is that is that something that's in in netting of the sun? No. So the. <laughs> Spices and herbs is something that I haven't really ever played with because I spent a lot of time with Mad Hatter. Um, and I think that they both absolutely nailed the the epitome of using herbs and spices in a beer and also um, whatever the opposite of epitome is because they made some stuff that was fucking awful with... <laughs> <laughs> So I don't really mess around with herbs and spices, particularly. Um, Net in the sun, it doesn't have, it has chamomile in it. It has uh, grapefruit, a bit of lemon, um, and orange, I think. Okay. Mm. Um, it has East Kent Goldings, which means that it gives it a little bit of kind of a, a kind of spiciness, only a touch of spiciness, um, and a little bit of the fruitiness from that. Um, and then it uses like a a wit beer yeast, maybe T58 off the top of my head. I can't quite remember. Um, but yeah, the the it might have coriander, Indian coriander. Yeah, that's usually the thing that goes in wits, isn't it? Yeah, we, um, yeah, we use that. I'd have to, I'd have to look it up, and I'm I'm absolutely happy to to share that 
share that with you, but I'd, I'd have to look up. Well, that'd be great. Um, but yeah, spices other than black pepper, which I feel very comfortable with, and we've used in a couple of couple of beers. Like we, we've done uh, one called Peter, which is uh, plum and black pepper. Um, when we've done the grapefruit, oh, the, like I said, the watercress, watercress and grapefruit. Mm. Um, but yeah, spices is always something I've been a little bit wary of just because Matt Hatter did it so well, mm. um, but also did some stinkers. And mm. I've, I've not really seen anyone else do it well. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it, I mean, it, gets medicinal, it gets medicinal so quickly. That's a problem. It, it's a proper kind of uh, spoiling milk kind of thing. It's so yeah, quick. Definitely get that. It's quite a risky one. I mean, the inspiration for it is that we believe that um, Allagash White does contain um, grains of paradise, and it's pretty much a peppercorn for what we what we use it. We you know we we grind it down, we add it, and it kind of increases the kind of fruit flavors. Um, but it's not been confirmed, so yeah, I don't know. Do you, do you grind it or do you yeah. just cook it? Yeah, grind it in a pestle or more. On the scale I that mean, we're I, doing with it, then it's fine. Yeah, I mean, like for, for Dead Man, we just crack it. We we put it through a, a homebrew mill um, and we do two runs of cracking mm. it. it. It's not a it's not a grinding. It is very, very much just a, mm. an opening of it. And if, if you're finding that you're getting a bit a bit too much then maybe just 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 crunch it right? i mean they're very hard they're harder than peppercorns aren't they? you need to yeah, break them yeah. just to grind just to break them up you're absolutely right it, it is an it is an effort mm. but anyway um we digress well, next, next time you next time you you do a uh, version of it so i'd love to have Max, a we've of just it. done one we've just done one actually so yeah very happy with it yeah I'll... get it in the post what are you doing come on <laughs> there you go we'll, we'll share there we it. go yeah, we'll we'll share a few. There's two or three we can probably share with you that we're quite. Pleased yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, that'd be great. We'll, we'll, on on Fridays we we sit down and, and have a drink in in the tap. So yeah, we'll 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 get it open. That'd be good. Um, well, I, mean, I I just want to to talk a little bit about Bruiser. Um, yes. Let's say in a in a in a in a few weeks' time we're going to be recording a a podcast with um a company Ollie, 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 from, Ollie, yeah. from from Bruiser. Yeah. Um and um. But from the point of view, obviously, there's loads of subscriptions and things people do. I, I, I really like Bruiser just because I always try. You know, we've been doing this this beer club thing for three years, three and a bit years, three and a bit years. Yeah. Um, and uh, I've always now got a little bit of, um, I guess, almost loyalty to the breweries that we've had. So if I go into a into a into a, a pub um, or a bottle shop and I see a beer from one of the breweries we've had before. Then I'll always get that, and so Bruiser is quite nice because it's still a bit of a surprise what you get. Um, but you, you know, you know which brewery you, you know, you're, you're choosing, so you, you've, you've kind of got as much of an idea. But when you open up that box, you're still not quite, quite sure. I try and resist going on the the web shop of that place first, so it's a complete uh, surprise. And <laughs> and I was very lucky. I think what are we now October. It probably was like June time. I think I got a. Um, a uh, chapter box and it was an absolute stonker. Mm, great. And 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 we had one of the 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 barley wine that we talked about earlier on, and we had that in it, which was um uh you know I'll be honest, I'd sort of say one of the best barley wines I've, I've had. 
But actually, the, the, the beer that, that really stood out for me, um, and I think uh, it's called Blindfolds Off, something Blindfold like that. Blindfold Off, yeah, um, Best Bitter. Best Bitter, yeah. And, and you know, it, it's what I love about it is just you, best bitters can be, you know, you can think about it now sometimes as that that beer you're gonna you're gonna drink without thinking and that and every now and again you get one that takes you off guard mm. and you you have a sip you, you poured it out you know it was it, it probably just a Sunday afternoon when I was drinking it so it wasn't it wasn't one that I'd I'd put aside as a special beer to hold off for a, a you know rainy day and it was great it's just one of those ones where you you took a sip and you were like oh hang on that was that was amazing I think I've I think up there with um, the cat by ampersand. Yeah, no, that's um, good best as as, yeah. as one of that or, or that um, that one shivering sands, yeah, shivering sands one. But, yeah, but I I just think it's great that you know it was it was really good it was really good um, uh, case highly recommended to anyone. Um, but yeah, just just with the whole bruiser thing, how's that has that changed a lot for you and around school pack in general? The the thing for us is that. Um, as a general rule, um, our small pack does really badly, um, which I think is weird. This is something that I've been trying to to work out because when we hear feedback like that, it makes me wonder why it's not doing better. Um, we have a little bit on the web shop. We don't have our own canning line. I think that's the main thing is we don't have our canning line. So we're, we are very much dependent on other people canning our beers. Um, during the pandemic, we used um, uh, canners up in Bolton. Um, since then, we've been very lucky that we've got um, uh, four T's down in Warrington who are canning our beers for us and doing a great job, um, particularly that um, we were having to do a thousand liters at a time up at Canet, um, and the guys down at Warrington um, didn't need that same volume, which meant that we could brew a beer, split it, keg, cask, and can. Whereas mm-hmm. previously we weren't able to do that. Um, and when we didn't have the momentum, it meant that we might have cans knocking about in the brewery for for a while. Now um, we're looking to kind of expand our small pack output because we don't actually have a range anymore you know we're, we're down to like two cans two two um two sq uh, two skews two two um varieties of can that we've got available so bruiser for us has been an interesting one because um we've had some pretty poor experiences and then ollie was ollie kind of spoke to us about what we're doing um and that that's been good I mean, you know, your margins are obviously knackered by by the by the, by the whole business model, which is which is fine. But it means that you're you're getting stuff out, and people are having it, and people are trying it, and that's great. And the fact that you you picked up one of those, um, which you may or may not have got from our our web shop, is great. And you know, it means that you saw that. So if you saw on social media that we're canning it again you like that beer, so you may well go to our website and get it. So you've got to take all those sorts of things into account. Um, there's been a lot of stuff on social media kind of slagging them off. You know, it's not the too fine a point on it because of the fact that it's it's pretty cheap, I think. Um, 
and I know how much we get paid for our for our packs. Yeah. Um, and I think you get a pretty good deal from that, which is why they've become such a, a popular um, output. But the thing is that they are quite conscious of what their customers want and uh, customers need, and therefore they're making sure that they're getting good beers from, from the breweries. For example, right now, we do not have enough range to be able to supply the average bruiser yeah. consumer um, with a good range of beers. Now, that's predominantly down to us, the fact that we've been focusing most on getting cask out. Mm. We don't have a range of nine beers. Now, if you're getting a bru- if you're getting a bruiser box, you want to make sure you have nine different beers or at least not too many duplicates. Um, we did in the last month or so send out a beer that was basically all duplicates mm-hmm. we made sure that or ollie made sure that his customers were comfortable with the fact they were going to be getting duplicates yeah. so there's that little bit of customer um patois that kind of that kind of conversation between the two which isn't which mm-hmm. is important i was one of those i was one of those customers a couple of months back where that i got advised there would be multiple duplicates and was i happy to continue and I said, yes, absolutely. I'd much rather have a duplicate of a good beer than a, than a rubbish beer. So, yeah, I, I I bought into that in terms of that's – I don't get into the whole duplicate. Oh, I, I am expecting nine unique beers. That's not that's not what I'm in it for. But, yeah, I, 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 I got your beer. I got your box. Yeah, I think we we want to have range, right? I mean, it's it's – but what's been interesting is that, again, since the pandemic – the consistency has been so um well the consistency has not been consistent um so we've been having to work a little bit um reactionary uh, we have had to be very reactionary to what's happening and what i want is to make sure that we always have my my aim is to make sure we always have a six pack mm-hmm. if someone comes in and wants to buy doesn't know what they're doing six pack there you go You've got a couple of pails, a stout, one weird one, and a strong one. There you go. Off you go. <laughs> For me, that's that's what I want. Someone's come get the, get out of the fridge. At the very least, is a six pack. So we're building up to that again. We've had a bit of a run of our beers, especially the, the kind of pale stuff recently, which has taken us a little bit by surprise because it, it's un- we haven't had that before. Mm. So we're still kind of having to respond a little bit. We're still a little bit slow because we don't have our own canning line. We're having to kind of fit in with other people. But as of today, um, another exclusive for you, um, I've now got three different people that can can for us. So we should be in a position where we can get all our core beers canned um, on a on a grander scale, which means we'll always have Dead Man, Taller, Kandata, um, we then got the the kind of weirder stuff, which we know we can go and get canned, um, and then we've also got the the more kind of like four and a half to six percent hazy stuff, which we can also get canned. So we're just kind of having to play a little bit. It's, it's very much a juggling thing. Yeah. Um, we didn't spend our bounce back loan on a canning line like most people did. So that's that's the main problem that we that we've had. Okay. So, I mean, I read on social media that um, 
you had a horrendous event where someone actually broke into your into your brewery. I mean, that must have been horrendous to kind of discover. Obviously, that would probably have a knock-on effect in terms of your output. I mean, to what extent did, did they kind of break in and take stuff or whatever? Um, it was the second time it's happened. Um, the first time it happened two years ago, um, the damage was minimal, but um, they took a lot of cash. Um, since then, we haven't had any cash on site. Um, and this time, the damage was more significant, um, but in a weird kind of Stockholm syndrome way. Um, you know, I'm like, oh, at least it didn't open all the fermenters and let the beer out. Mm. Um, the the problem with, with the break-in at somewhere like ours is that there's only one route in and and they went through it. Um, and the cost of that is about 600 quid just to get a replacement and then you got installation. It was the fact that they went in and they then, you know, they crowbarred into the office. Um, we we didn't have any cash on site because we learned our lesson other than the kind of the, the various shrapnel and the, the petty cash that you have to pay if you, someone needs to be paid in cash, so like 120 quid. They stole our charity jar cash. They stole the tips that we save um, throughout the year for our Christmas do. Um, and the thing that's quite funny is that, you know, they didn't take any beer, but they stole a bottle of gin and a slab of um, tonic. <laughs> really? <laughs> so so at, the end, at the end of the night, they kind of, they, they stroll back into wherever they've gone and they've gone, well, good evening, darling. Here you go. A bottle of gin. We've got some tonic. Let's have a, you know, and 124 quid in cash. Let's get a takeaway. And you kind of go, was it was it worth it for that? Mm. And yeah, I was, I was a bit affronted they didn't take any beer. I mean, it's always a bit of a, um, it's always an affront. You know, if, if someone breaks into your place, I mean, it's not like breaking into your home, but, it, you know, they broke into our place and... Like next door, they had the key in the door and they kicked the door in. Say, what, why did you do that? Why did you do that? There's no need to do that. The, the key was there. Um, and it just, the, you know, that, that morning you, you wake up. My favourite thing is that um, the, the next day we have our tap room open and um, what was it, a, a PCSO? Yeah, yeah, yeah. PCSO came in to give us a little a pack. You know, very friendly lady came in as as the tap was open, uh, half past four. Gave sat me down, gave me this little kind of booklet with all this stuff in. And as she came in and sat down, everyone outside necked their drinks and fucked off. Oh. <laughs> and they're all just like, "Uh oh, don't want to be here." <laughs> it, was just, it was just really funny and it says more about maybe says more about our punters than it does about anything else but it was, just, it was one of those things you think well that could be in a sketch show you know yeah um but yeah i mean you know the, the police came in did their thing helpful but you know what 
what can they do? Um, what was stolen wasn't anywhere near as much as the inconvenience that it mm. that it caused. I don't know, really. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, they they crawled through such a small space that they must have been small people, so they must have been like I don't know, hungry or whatever. I mean, you don't know, you don't know. You got to. It's annoying, but I'm sure. You know, I'm sure they've got reasons for doing what they did. <laughs> There's no yeah. point being too cross about it. I mean, last time it was quite devastating in terms of what they took. But this time, hopefully, diminishing returns, you know, that if they if they try and break in again, there'll be even less for them to take. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's good to take that from that. Yeah, um, so yeah, we just a couple of um, list of questions to see what you think. Yep. About. Um, this one's from Jacob, a local guy from around here. Uh, what style of beer that emerged in the craft beer scene do you think is the most overrated? Um, triple IPA, I think. Really? Oh, I do yeah, like a triple. I do like a triple. Uh, yeah, I think... Um, I don't know what it offers that um, a good double or a whiskey doesn't. <laughs> I like that. That's a good answer. Yeah. Um, and another question, a list of question from at Knighton. Um, and it's a quite a wide ranging question. What is your ambition as okay. a brewery? I think it means in the future. My ambition is, is very much been, it's been set since the start. I want to have a brewery that sustains seven people, um, paid a good wage, makes consistently good beer, um, and is generally kind of, um, <laughs> I was going to say revered, but that sounds a bit aggressive. Um, generally kind of respected and and is, is seen as, a, I don't think it's much, if you look at like, when someone says he's a good man, that's that's really good, right? Someone says, oh, he's a good man. Yeah. The, oh, he's the, he's the best guy ever. Oh, no, he's a good man. That, that for me, is like the epitome of... If someone said about me, oh, Noah, he, he's a good man, that's what I want to be. And that's what I want my brewery to be. I want to have a staff of seven people, which is a, a nice kind of um, mythical, magical number... <laughs> everyone's looked after everyone's happy low turnover of staff i think that's really important if, if you've got a high turnover of staff then you're doing something wrong mm -hmm. and just making good beer that everyone's happy with everyone wants to drink and yeah i mean i don't want to make millions of pounds if i'd done that i'd have stayed in teaching am i right for me it's yeah my my the kind of ambitions of the brewery is uh a good size a good output a good understanding of what we're doing and for people to have a good opinion of of what we do who we are and what we make a great answer yeah, i like that yeah that's brilliant thank you cool you want to quick fire yeah yeah um so 
quick fire there's actually one sneak one at the end but it's a really simple one um because i know we've uh given you a bit of a heads up but the first one is um biggest influence on the brewery um the biggest influence on the brewery is is twofold uh maybe even threefold am i am i allowed that am I allowed threefold? Yeah, yeah, yeah um mad hatter because they were the people who I first started kind of playing with. Um, and um, they were the ones who kind of told me to go and do it on my own. I think I, pro- I probably told this story when, when I was speaking to you last time that I asked Gaz for a job and he said, I think you should go and you know what you're producing as a homebrew, you should go and do this on your own. And it wasn't until later that I realized that maybe he was just saying that so I'd leave him alone. <laughs> um, but also that's where I met Paul Spraggett, who is is my second my second fold part of that. Paul Spraggett was um, you know, he was the creator of the, the Zaziki Sour. He was the person who did um this triple decoction mash that I got involved in. I think it was like a you know, some weird I was on um half term and and we did this kind of 12 hour day where we're shifting you know mash between the boil and back into the mash kettle and doing all these different things um and he was really inspirational in making me kind of confident to to go and do these kind of interesting things with chapter and he came and helped me make the um celery sour the first time we brewed that you know a little weird claim to fame is that we are the first ever for pure away from home collab you know, when he was working for Four Pure, he, they came and did the celery sour with us, and they've not done that before. And then they got bought out by Lion and whatever else. Um, but he was always a real kind of inspiration to me, and he helped me, and he put me together with Alex, which is how we started the brewery. So he he's been kind of properly um, important to me. And then outside of you know how I started who got me into it and then in terms of breweries um it's runaway um mark at runaway has always been um a massive inspiration for me in terms of how he runs a business um how he composes himself and then also the beers that he produces i mean if you look at two of my favorite beers which are dead man's fist and awas which is our 6.9 percent american brown um you know apart from minor tweaks there are rip-offs of his smoke porter and his american brown <laughs> um most of the beers that i produce i look at what he's done and then go how can i tweak this so that someone doesn't think i'm copying him outright <laughs> and he's admit, you've admitted yeah. it right here right now Another well and everything's everything's plagiarism to some extent isn't yeah, it? Yeah. yeah yeah it's all um, been done before and so it's just it's just uh yeah yeah, yeah but he knows he, he knows this um you know I, I've, I've told him this and you know i i tried to get a job with him before i started a brewery i i've always really been enamored with what he's doing and especially the the new space he's got in in stockport which i haven't been able to get to yet i mean the fact that he can kind of bang out core beers and then put out some kind of weird shit with Galangal or something. And I mean, it's great. Uh, that's, it's He's really, he is still, I think, one of the only people left that is still doing 
what craft brewers were doing circa 2016. I mean, if you look at what Mad Hatter were doing, no one's doing that really. Mm. He's still doing that sort of stuff, but it's it's without the swagger. It's just with nuance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's it's a yeah. What what a great what a, what a great thing to have as a as a as a brewery to be able to know that you're you know the fact that he doesn't do cask is great for me. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, yeah. if he's doing cask, I think I think we'd be fucked. <laughs> <laughs> and and so the second question is um what what's your you know in your opinion and I think you might mention it but you might have something else in the bag. But what's your best beer? So my best, best beer, yeah, best, best beer, beer, yeah. beer brewed by yourself. Oh, by us, yeah. Um, it's sort of it. It's one of those things where it really depends what mood I'm in. Um, I do think the great coat is 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 really um, is really punching at the moment. The beer that we did originally with um, beer moth as their as their um, drinking beer number three. To, to be asked by someone like Beermoth to do a beer with them, you know, they've done Cloudwater, yeah. they've done uh, Rivington, they've, they've done Red Willow, who I, I really revere as, um, you know, in terms of Cheshire in particular, you're not going to beat them in terms of cask. I mean, that's that's who we are competing with, um, again, in inverted commas. Um, to be asked by Beermoth, to, to do a beer with them was a, was a real privilege and and without blowing our own trumpet we we absolutely smashed the brief you know we made a 3.8 percent west coast that has all of the attributes you want from a west coast but at a, at a drinkable mm. um 3.8 percent yeah i want to make beers where someone goes i'll have another one of those yeah 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 and, and it's kind of not even oh yeah one one of them yeah, another one of those. That'd be great. Cheers. Yeah, without thinking about it. Yeah. That's that's what I want to make. I want to make a beer where you you bring a family member who doesn't drink beer, and they go, "Yeah, one more of those would be great." Cheers, mm-hmm. and and I'm not offended or not challenged by it without it being without yeah. it being banned. And I think Great Coat has become one of those beers where it's now part of our core range, basically. Yeah, you don't want to um, have that, that moment when you you get that that drink you go oh, it's nice but i couldn't have a pint <laughs> that's it yeah i mean it's not so much that as um it's nice but i wouldn't want another yeah um i'm absolutely happy if people don't want a pint of the coconut stout wine <laughs> you know, I, don't, <laughs> I don't get affronted by that um but i i think it's really important to be able to make beers where someone goes Oh yeah, try yeah, you'll be right. yeah, have one of these. Yeah. And it's it, there's something about that for me, which I think is is really um really satisfying as a as a as a brewer and as somebody who is you know selling selling beer. It makes it a lot easier to sell beer as well if people are kind of yeah, yeah, happy to get their mates in on one of these. Yeah, absolutely. Um okay, question number three. Uh you you've you've you know done a, a number of name dropping with, with with breweries um so far tonight but if, if you had to be put down to to one favorite brewery 
Um, who, who would that be? Um, I find I find that question really difficult because um, it's it's so dependent on mood, and it's so dependent on where you are in your drinking journey, whether that's, um, you know, seven years into drinking craft or if it's, you know, you've just discovered something or else. I, I don't really, I don't really know what you mean by that. Well, it's, I mean, I, I, like, guess, it, I guess it's what, do, what do I want to drink? I mean, my favorite bit, if someone said, what do you want to drink right now? Yeah. At any point, I'd say Stella. Yeah. <laughs> and I've, I've absolutely got no qualms about that whatsoever. However, they're not my favourite brewery. <laughs> um, it, you know, if, if, if I go into a pub and I see Brimstage, right, I, I really rate Brimstage. I think they make some unbelievably good traditional cascale. Mm. If I go into a pub and they've got Neptune on, I'll have that. If I see Red Willow, I'll have that. Um, if I'm in the mood for it and I see Polly's, I'll have that. It, it's, it, it really does. It's so mood dependent. I is find there, the idea of a favourite brewery very difficult. Yeah. Is there a beer that really started you? I, I know for me it was, it was, it was um, Old Peculiar. Uh, and I, I was only about 11 or 12 at the time, but I remember being, I wasn't drinking it. Um, but I remember my dad well, uh, having a beer and he held it up and the sun caught it. And it was the first time I was like, wow, that looks good. Well, Old is particularly poignant, actually, because next week I'm going to Leeds. And Old Peculiar was one of my favourite beers when I was uh, younger. Young, bloody hell, younger. Jesus. Um, I remember drinking Old Peculiar and being like, this doesn't taste like you know, the cans that I was buying of, of Lark or whatever. And... White Locks in Leeds, last time I was there, had Old Peculiar unsparkled on cask. And it was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. So I can't wait to go and try that if it's still on. I, I know that they, they may not have it on. I think they're a five points pub. Um, but, you know, Old Peculiar is, I've always thought, was mm-hmm. something else. That was something quite different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Leave it with me. I'm. I'm sorry, <laughs> I, I find it. I find it quite difficult with that that favorite brewery, again because it's. It. There's there's so there's so many nuances to that because now you've also got to make sure that they're not pricks. That's like. I think if you asked all of us for our favorite brewery, we probably wouldn't be able to give you an answer either. Yeah. So I think it's, yeah. it's it's a fair answer. Yeah. Yeah. yeah actually, no. Yeah. Go on. Go on. Have any of you got a favourite brewery that you like everything? Well, not well. This is the thing. Is it everything you see you go for? I mean, what's... I think for me, um, anything by Pentridge, which are a local brewery to us, but I really love their kind of IPAs, their hazy stuff, their their double IPAs. I mean, I, I've probably checked most beers in by them on Untaps. Not don't see much of it down here, so that's interesting. I've, I've yeah. seen bits and bobs, but yeah. and, and they're really good. I mean, they're, they're I guess in some respects similar to yourself in terms of the the cask output is their is their main thing yeah, they, yeah. you know um 
they they were very successful in terms of getting the the canning off at the same at that you know COVID time and um but yeah it's still it, it, it was always concerned me with Pentrich that because the 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 keg and the the can became quite popular that it was always that little fear that they would stop cast doing the cask but luckily mm. you know we've got quite a few numbers yeah. and there's there's they're coming all the time yeah I mean I I, I like Pahala is the one that, that <laughs> if I see if, if I see yeah. it yeah. in a bottle shop then yeah then Estonian Baltic porters yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd go for Smod St Mars of the Desert yeah Smod yeah I've not had enough I've not had a I'm not sure I've even had any Although I know they are good, I'm not sure I've ever seen any or, or kind of had any. And it, yeah, it's funny. I mean, if if I go to Pen Lane Londis, which is like the bottle shop in Liverpool, um, I will go and buy a selection of German lagers. And if I'm in the if I'm in the mood for it, which happens kind of once every six to seven weeks, I'll go and buy a load of hazy pails, and I get. Your polys, your dayers, Azbek, and I, I drink those, and then I, I feel like I'm done for six weeks or whatever. Mm. So I don't know. My, my favorite brewery is a, it's a difficult question, really. Um, yeah, I mean, we're gonna, we're gonna. I, hit I think again, like you know, Runaway. Let's go. With, I mean, in fact, they don't do cask is hard, but yeah, Runaway. Let's go with that. I mean, we're gonna we're gonna hit you up with one of one's his favourite style of beer. Is that is that gonna get a, a, a similar complicated? What about for favourite style of beer? Uh, favourite style of beer. Um, I think my uh, I'll answer this in two parts. Um, my off menu drink hmm. uh favorite drink would be a lager shandy from the grapes in liverpool um i think it's like a angelo peretti or whatever it is it's like a, a italian lager thing that would be my uh, lager shandy i don't think you can really beat um but the more that i look at sub four percent west coast leaning cask I don't think you can get much better than that, really. I think if you've got a a cascale that is hop forward but not um that backs itself. A hop forward pale that backs itself um with a good support of malt. <laughs> wow, well, yeah, this is this is turning into an up. This is all bullshit, isn't it? Great great code. Yeah, it's crossing over. This is just great code. Um, I think I think you know, three point eight percent, slightly west coasty cask. If you can get that in good nick, yeah. Um, you you try and find a better beer. I mean, I would agree God. with that. I would agree with that because that's mm. one thing. Obviously, the last few years on the on the cask side, you get a lot more variety now. And in terms of what you just described there, that's the, what I would say, the new kid on the block, and you can't really beat it. Mm. Yeah. I mean, you, if you go and have a white, you have a white rat, <clears throat> that's good. Timmy Taylor's, yeah, that's good. All these things are going to, yeah, 
if it's done well, good. You know, that, that Thiessen's old peculiar that I'm looking forward to having next week. Yeah, that's good. Anything, five points, whatever. And you just start to kind of, you realise you start to gravitate more and more between that golden point of just about sub four. Mm-hmm. And if you can have a couple of pints of that and then still go and have a good meal, that's what you want in it. <laughs> and then finish off with a little Stella by the sound of it. <laughs> I mean, my favourite thing I learned is that um, I drink quite a lot of Stella Zero because um, I think it's cold. I think it's the best alcohol-free beer, um, apart from Guinness. Guinness Zero is, is, is something else. But I learned that um, you can do half-half <laughs> Stella and Stella Zero and make a really good table beer. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Um, and that's really go. shunning it, but a different way. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a really good one to do. Um, if you know you've got a ahead of you, then then half half. Yeah. I like it. I'm just interested in what name you're going to come up with. Uh, <laughs> what you're going to call it? Is it as a oh, table shandy? A table well, yeah, I, I feel like I've got a. It should be something to do with what is it, Stella? Isn't that um, streetcar streetcar name Desire? Isn't um, Tennessee Williams? I'm pretty sure Stella's the name of the character in that. I'll, it's Blanche. It is Blanche. Oh yeah, that would do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. We'll figure out something. I'll, we'll. I'll, I'll think. I'll think on it, and you can call it the name. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Last couple of quick ones. These are uh, thirds, halves, two thirds, or points. Halves, halves, Ivan, and then um, I'm, I'm gonna. This is one I I just asked um, Andy, Andy, the other week. Have you got a favourite hop? Just come with my Columbus. How are you going? Columbus. Columbus. I really like Columbus. Um, I think that Columbus can be used um, because it has punch and it has a kind of a sharpness and a tartness and we use it in a lot of our beers um and i think it just if you use it as like a um if you use it as a uh, kind of like a starting point to pin other hops to i think it just gives them that little bit of a pinch i think it is it's almost like a, a you know, you, you you have a beer here and you have these other hops and it just goes, oh, there you go. And it just gives it a little bit of a oomph yeah. to kick it on. Um, yeah, Columbus is, I don't think it's used that much, but we use it quite a lot in our pails as like a initial, um, like a, almost like a starting block and then we build on. Yeah. Yeah. So Columbus for me, I think would be. It's like a hop wingman. Mm. yeah but the elder statesman the one you yeah. go to and ask for advice yeah yeah <laughs> great yeah. i like that yeah so um we've come we've come to the end of our um, podcast recording just like to say thanks once again for spending again a bounteous amount of time with us mm. this evening. uh very enjoyable some really interesting tales a few exclusives bunged in there for good measure so yeah um you heard it here first at least once maybe but um yeah so is there anything else you'd like to mention before we sign off um 
I guess a couple of things. Um, you know, keep an eye on social media. I'm not particularly good at social media, but keep an eye on that for stuff that comes up um, on the web shop. And as I said, we now have a few more um, people that are able to help us with the canning. So we'll have more cans available on the web shop um, over the next month and going forward into Christmas. Um, we've also got our annual uh, Conquer Championships. So <laughs> hey, you yeah. are uh, available on the uh, October the 28th. We have our Conquer Championships um, in aid of um, Duchenne UK. Uh, we've done that for the last uh, three years or so, and that's always quite good fun. Uh, <laughs> the winner gets a free pint of cask every time they come to the tap. So that's that's almost wow. worth wow. Um, coming to. Uh, luckily, the person who won it last year only came twice. So are there any rules? I mean, do you allow adulterated conkers in there or is it just is there different categories or um basically i i have provided the conkers uh previously oh, okay. um and it's we go through um kind of international conquer championship rules where you you yeah. get to choose the conquer from the bag you have uh two chances to put it back and um the third conquer you produce if you haven't taken one already is the one that you are left with oh wow um but all those will be explained on the day <laughs> uh, other than that we've got we've got a few events kind of knocking about the tap room we're down to uh winter hours which is um fridays uh three o'clock until eight o'clock and saturdays um is one o'clock until seven um but yeah just just keep an eye out for our beers um yeah. keep asking your publicans and landlords to to get our stuff in and um yeah cask is good use a sparkler um our keg is also fine <laughs> awesome thank you so much no thank you for inviting me again i mean being invited back what a privilege <laughs> exactly thank you now so there you have it. What an epic interview that was with Noah from Chapter Brewery. Thanks once again for that. If you like that podcast, don't forget to subscribe in all the usual podcast places. Also, check out our Twitter, at Belper Beer Club, or even have a look at our website, belperbeer.club. So, until next time, see you later.